And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, here we go. Welcome, everyone, to the program. We are live from the bunker. Junior office dog going crazy out somewhere about something. Jason Hutt here in the studio. Get my chair up where uh, it's supposed to be relative to the camera. We are live from the bunker. Those of you who are with us live, you can join in the chat. If you are not live, you can still participate in the conversation, leave a comment, or send us an email live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. And we will include your comments. And I do read everything that people send to us. So it's not, uh, it's not going to be uh, sent out into oblivion. And if you prefer to uh, consume your content via podcast, we have a number of players where you can find this show. iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Thank you, Mrs. Boss. Double Twist, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pocket Casts, all of those podcast players where you can find this program and the H2O podcast, which is still going strong. And uh, this show is very quickly catching up in, in terms of the number of uh, episodes. So we had just, uh, we just had 253 over there, and today is 204 for this particular program. And if you are so inclined, if you haven't done it yet, uh, we do invite you to subscribe and uh, have your notifications turned on because that's how you find out uh, what's going on with stuff because we post... Whenever we go live, we post when we upload. Of course, we're on all the social media channels, so you can find us there. Just look for Sci-Fi for Me. And we do have a newsletter, and I would like to encourage people to subscribe to us by, to, through the newsletter. You can find it over at sci for mecom There's a pop-up that you can use to uh, sign up, or you can use the link that's in the show notes, and it'll take you right there. The main reason being we're going to start using that newsletter a lot more frequently this year, I hope, and my plan. And a lot of that has to do with um, the uncertainty that comes with technology just in general, in a broad sense, but also uh, taking a look at how big tech, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, are treating the smaller creators... Um, ostensibly it looks like it's politically driven, but I don't think that that's the end-all, be-all only reason that's factoring in on some of this stuff. So, 
on the off chance that somebody decides that we should be persona non grata and complain and do some sort of brigade attack against us, which could happen someday, one of these days, the newsletter is going to come in quite handy, I do believe. All right. Speaking of YouTube, uh, the comments section usually is fairly civil and clean and cordial and everything else. But every now and again, we get some spammy content, uh, links back to channels that really don't exist or, you know, comments that, you know, three or four or five or six from the same account or whatnot. And if you leave a comment... If you leave several comments in a row, and some of them look like nonsense, we're likely to delete all of them because I just, I just don't trust the technology. So if your comment somehow accidentally gets vaporized, that might be why. So far, we haven't run into a very much of a problem, but it happens every now and again. I think we've got our issues with the Chinese spam bots dealt with, sort of, maybe, hopefully. We'll see. Uh, YouTube also continues to not correct the URL with the expletive in it for Monday's show, the one where I was talking about Larry King and Johnny Carson. So it might very well be that I end up having to delete that, that video, in which case we lose the live chat and I'd have to re-upload uh, and it would just become an upload rather than a live stream, so the URL gets regenerated as a new thing. So I might end up having to do that this weekend. We'll see. It continues to irritate me. But it is what it is. Coming up on Saturday, Good Morning Multiverse, we will have an interview with Mike Phillips about his new crowdfunded comic book, so we want you to check in on that. And Monday... <sighs> We'll be talking about the GameStop thing. I have some people in here to talk about that. And you never know what else will come up. Robert in the chat, welcome. Thanks for being here. All right, let's get into our topic. Um, I So this is one of those things where on occasion... I have these moments where I'm not really sure what our next topic for a particular show will be. This happens to us over on H2O. There seems to be sometimes either there are too many things to talk about or there's not very much to talk about, in which case we have to come up with an idea of, okay, well, what do we want to, what do we want to tackle this week? What do we want to discuss this week? And I definitely want to get into the GameStop thing, but I need to study it a little bit further because I am not personally involved in day trading or investments or anything like that. I mean, there's there's probably a 401k somewhere chasing around with my name on it, but I'm not actively involved in stocks and bonds and the Wall Street and, and investments and such. So I've got to do some study on it, and we're going to try to bring in some experts who can explain it a little bit better than I can. So we're going to do that on Monday. That gives me the weekend to do my homework. And to see how this plays out, because things are still wildly up in the air in terms of what's happening, who's responding, and how people are reacting to this. So we're going to keep keep an eye on that. 
So that leaves me, or at least yesterday, it left me bereft of a topic today because I don't have a guest. And lo and behold, as I'm going through uh, social media, I run across an article. And this is on a this is on a website that I've never heard of before, but it's one of those listicles that continue to plague us uh, as as social media feeds do. And the the headline, the critics have spoken the 45 worst TV shows ever to hit the small screen. And what what grabbed me on this is that the thumbnail that popped up in social media, was a show that is considered genre. It was a superhero television show. So I thought I'd go through and look at this list. Now, what surprises me, as you see here, uh, the header photo is Hogan's Heroes. So I'm automatically suspicious of this. Uh, this and, and this is from October of 2019. Uh, byline Ali Lewis. Have no idea who these people are. So take this with whatever salt and other condiments you want to use. I'm not going to go through the entire list because not everything on here is genre. But we'll take a look because there are some genre pieces on here. Some of them belong on here. Some of them probably don't. So we'll see. Robert says, sold off Disney and high technology growth stocks kept the bank and utility stocks that pay dividends. There's always someone saying the market's about to crash. So uh, right now Warren Buffett and uh, his advisor is saying the market is overvalued. Okay. I have a general sense of what that means. But since I don't have a, I don't have a financial advisor, I've talked to a couple of people this morning about it. And... It's interesting that there are there are some people who are in the finance world who have only peripherally been paying attention to this. They're aware of what's going on with GameStop. They're aware that there is some kind of tempest in a teapot that's going on. But there are people who are involved in this industry and in the finance and the investments daily. This is their lifeblood, and they're not fully up to speed on this. So we're we're gonna we're gonna look at it over the weekend, do some homework and some research so we can present an informed show about what's going on. Now this 45 worst TV shows. I don't know why they limited to 45. That's an odd number. Uh, but on this show, uh, on this list, my mother the car, and those of you who are of an age, you will remember this. This is about uh, this is from 1965. It was a comedy about a man who buys a vintage car and finds out, figures out, that the car is a reincarnation of his mother. And it was a comedy, but it was a comedy that was played without a laugh track, so sometimes uh, people didn't know whether they were supposed to laugh at a joke or not. Sometimes the, the jokes didn't quite land. I've never watched this show because to me, it doesn't sound interesting. I mean, how do you get reincarnated as a car? If The whole idea of reincarnation would be completely different. Now, if you rebooted this show, you could reboot My Mother the Car. And instead of a reincarnation, 
where the mother comes back as a car. Now how you do it is you take the car and you program it with mother's memory engrams. So mother's personality, mother's memory is programmed into the AI in the car. So the car acts like mother. That's how you could reboot it. Uh, Sci-Fi Snob asking, is this about Star Trek Discovery? No, no, but it should be. Uh, it's it, Sadly, Discovery is not on this list, but it's uh, also from October 2019. So it's entirely possible that Ali Lewis has missed Star Trek Discovery uh, in her research. Um, going through here... Now, there are some of them I can say, absolutely, without a doubt, they belong on this list. Um, but some of them, I'm not sure. Now, this, here's another one that I've never heard of. Homeboys in Outer Space. I kid you not, that's the title of the show... It is uh, a story about Tiberius Walker and Morris Clay, two homeboy astronauts traveling the universe in a spaceship called the Space Hoopty. <sighs> it didn't last very long. Um, one critic, reading from the article, one critic described homeboys in outer space as stunning with ineptitude and tastelessness. Uh, okay, it's it's a it's a show, it's a thing. I don't know how long that lasted. Uh, now, some of you might remember this one, Cavemen. This was the one that came out of the Geico commercials. Uh, you know, Geico so easy. You know, so easy to do. A, a caveman could do it. You know that that set of commercials. And of course, they brought the caveman back for a while on on the spots. And for whatever reason, somebody thought it was a good idea to do a television series using those characters. And I don't know that it ever got off the ground very well. I never understood why anybody would try to do this. Because, <laughs> excuse me, because it's, it's a, one, it's a dumb idea for a TV commercial. But it, it, they were self-aware enough to know they were doing. I mean, Geico deliberately for a long time before they before they landed on the gecko, Geico was doing a lot of we know these are dumb. They're dumb on purpose type of things. And they would grab an idea and they would run with it and the cavemen were one of those. And as a marketing gimmick, okay, it's a hook. It's something that you remember the sh you remember the commercial. It's like uh, Wendy's. Where's the beef? It's memorable, but if you were to take those three characters, those three ladies that are sitting there, standing at the counter waiting for their their order, that's not enough for a for a show. I mean, you'd have to do quite a bit to flesh that out and, and add depth and, and that sort of thing. And when they announced that they were going to do a caveman TV series, my first question was, why in the world would you do that? I've never in my, in, in all the time that I've been in media and in, in advertising, it has never occurred to me that anything that we do in advertising 
is worth expanding into some kind of form of entertainment. I mean, some commercials can be entertaining, yes. But at the end of the day, those commercials are still trying to sell a product. And when you have this kind of a crossover transition into something else, uh, then, you know, it's not fulfilling its original purpose. And then what, what is this? It becomes some sort of a Frankenstein's monster hybrid thing. And... <sighs> It, I don't think it ever got off the ground. Um, so here we go through some of these others. Here's an interesting one. This is one I've never heard of. Number 12 on this list. It's called Whoops. I've never heard of it. And uh, the description here, Imagine two kids playing with a toy at a parade when, oopsie, they accidentally set off a nuclear missile wiping out all of humanity in an hour except for a quirky combination of six characters. I've never heard of this show. Um, and it went 13 episodes? I, never heard of it. Don't know anything about it. I don't know. It looks like that looks like Eric. Does it, that looks like Eric Stone Street in the in the photograph. Uh, but I've never heard of this show. This looks like something that was probably late eighties. This actually just from the photograph, it looks like something that ran in the nineties. And okay, a a sitcom, a post apocalyptic nuclear holocaust sitcom. Maybe nowadays you probably could do it because, you know, every every genre story that we've got coming out of anywhere is a post-apocalyptic something. 90s, not so much. All right, let's go through there. This, I mean, they've got Baywatch on here as one of the worst television shows ever. Now, your mileage may vary on this. I've never sat and watched Baywatch. I never had any interest in the show. Um... Because I grew up on Adam-12. And if you're going to do something like that, I mean, eh, I don't know. On this list also, The Powers of Matthew Starr. Um, now this ran, this was about Matthew Starr, a high school student, also a super-powered alien prince from the planet Quadris. Uh, this didn't run for very long. Um... Only did one season, but, uh, okay, it's a thing. I don't know if any of you, if you, any of you have ever watched any of these shows, uh, that would, uh, that would be helpful because some of these shows I'd never heard of. Some of them I've heard of them, but I never watched because, I mean, the powers of Matthew Starr kind of looked a little dumb to me. I never watched it. It might be better than it might be better than it. It, uh, it could have aged to the point now where it becomes a cult classic, maybe. In which case, it's ripe for a reboot. Here is one I will not argue with: Galactica 1980. Now, Galactica 1980. For those of you who are not aware, was in was the network, and it was ABC, ABC's attempt to 
rehabilitate themselves after canceling Battlestar Galactica, and there was a hue and cry from the fr- from the fans, and they said, you know what, maybe we kind of made a mistake. Let's do another Galactica show. Only you can't have the same budget. And let's do something different. And so it was Battlestar Galactica, but it wasn't Battlestar Galactica. They found Earth. There was time travel, and there was kids with superpowers, and there was invisibility, and there was uh, flying motorcycles, and it was just, it was just, it was just bad. It was fun, but it was bad. Uh, Robert says, I like Galactica in 1980. I remember thinking it was lame, even when I was about nine, but I was mesmerized. I mean, it was, it was fun. It was fun to watch. I mean, it was, we had Battlestar Galactica back on the air. So, uh, so yeah, it was, it was not good. Although I did kind of like the idea of seeing Boxy grown up, but at the same time, you're doing all of this without a majority of the, of the original cast. So the, the lack of continuity that was not, it didn't feel like it didn't feel like there was much of a through line between Battlestar Galactica and Galactica 1980 because you only had a couple of characters from the original show that were back in the in the 80s show. It was it was Adama and Boomer, and nobody else was there. And so it was uh, it was an odd duck, a little bit. Uh, Sci-Fi Snob, greatest American hero is not on this on this list, nor is it one of the worst TV shows ever. Black Scorpion. Now this this was this was. Uh, I never watched this show. There were there was a time during the nineties. There was this whole slew. Now remember, this is back when cable just started to blow up, and you had all of these channels now that you didn't have before, and all these channels need programming. And that's back when you had a lot of detective shows, a lot of cop shows, uh, Silk Stalkings. Do you remember that one? That one came out around that time. And, you know, a lot of law shows. There were this slew of TV shows that came out that were carbon copies of each other, that were ripoffs of each other. And none of them were very good. I mean, that's where we got Relic Hunter. We got Mutant X. You remember Mutant X? We got Sliders. Now, there were some, there were some gems in there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but for the most part, there was stuff like this. I mean, Cleopatra 2525 was in that group. Lex. We got uh, uh, Xena and Hercules and Andromeda. But you also got... Uh, Earth Final Conflict, and and then there was Babylon 5. All, all of these, so it was a mixed bag of quality. But there were so many new channels, and they had to have something. And some of them opted for the cheap ripoff shows as opposed to the better quality stuff. And then you get, so you get shows like Black Scorpion, which is about a, a, a policewoman by day, Superhero by night. Uh, okay. I want to say that this one, 
let me look this one up because I've got an idea of who I, I want to say that um, um, the lead on this one. Yes, this is from 1995 and it stars Joan Severance. Now, those of you who don't remember Joan Severance, Joan Severance was was one of the names back in the day, especially in the 90s. She was all over the place. But this is from 1995. Uh, it was uh, the, the movie, and then you had the TV series that came out of that. Uh, but one of them was, you know, the 2001, the series was in 2001. The movie was 95. And... <sighs> it was not very good. Not very good at all. This one surprises me on this list. Ghost Whisperer. I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, Robert Relic Hunter was good because basically it was Tia Carrera playing Lara Croft. And it was, uh, it was you know, like Mutant X was a ripoff of the X-Men because they couldn't do the X-Men they couldn't get the rights to it, so they just did Mutant X. It was essentially an X-Men show. Relic Hunter was Lara Croft. And Lara Croft was a female Indiana Jones. I mean, everything is derivative at this point, especially in the 90s. The 90s was all about, mostly about copying other things. Now, Relic Hunter did fairly well. I think it was on, what, two seasons? Three seasons? Ghost Whisperer... This surprises me that this is on this list because Ghost Whisperer was not a bad show. Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, the star, and I believe she was an executive producer on this as well, uh, her character owns a, an antique store and has the ability to communicate with people who are dead, who have unfinished business. And she basically kind of helps facilitate the unfinished business so they can move on to their next plane of existence. It's not a bad show. Uh, my uh, my ex-wife and I used to watch this, and it was something that it was okay. I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't bad, though. I mean, it... It feel it ran on CBS, and it ran uh, stories that really kind of would have fit in on something like Lifetime or USA. I mean, if you're talking about cable networks that would run, it was, you know, it had a good run. I think they did what five seasons, and it was supernatural more than it was science fiction. So there was a little bit of a difference there. Because a lot of times, anytime you're looking at ghost stories, it's scary stuff. You know, the ghosts are haunting, or it's a comedy. You know, something like um, something like Casper, or um, oh, what was that? What's that? What's that one with the three witches? That uh, um, Bette Midler is in. What is that? What is that? That movie? Somebody, somebody, tell me. I can't remember the name of that movie. Um, there were a lot of there were a lot of knockoffs of that film too, especially over on Disney. That whole Halloween Town series of films. Uh, 
Sci-Fi Snob said they're putting these popular shows in to get rage clicks. Possibly. Um, Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroes is not a genre show, but Hogan's Heroes does not belong on this list. I'll just leave it to that. Uh, let's see here. Manimal. This is... Um, Okay, it's kind of like those, uh, was it the, uh, who was it, R.L. Stein? Um, um, the, the, the Animorph type of things, he's a guy, he could transform into animals, and he's a, he's a, uh, a shapeshifter, and it didn't last very long, it wasn't very good, so... Eight episodes is is only is only as long as it lasted. Uh, uh, Sci-fi mentions Dead Like Me. Uh, I, was that was that not a good show? Did Dead Like Me not good? I, I mean, I heard Dead Like Me had a pretty strong cult following. I thought. Um. Yeah, I was actually surprised that we didn't see see the her in anything else. The lead because Mandy Patinkin was in that show. As her as as her mentor, um, let's see here because sometimes sometimes you get these uh, really clunker movies or or TV series, and they don't uh, they don't go anywhere, but some of the cast members end up going other places. The lead on this one, Ellen Muth. What else has she done lately? She's still been working. She was on Hannibal. Uh, it looks like she's been doing a lot of, uh, uh, she's been doing some guest appearances, I guess. Um, but yeah, it doesn't look like she's done a whole lot. The, the last thing she did was in 2013, two, two appearances on Hannibal. Uh, which makes sense because Brian Fuller did both shows. So who knows? Maybe, maybe she's retired. Uh, I don't see anything... Uh, I don't see anything indicating that she's passed away, but she's not acting anymore. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, she has not. Uh, she hasn't done anything in a while. She might have gone uh, to uh, school. Some actors do that. All right, continuing with the list. Let's see. There's, there's, there's that. There's that. There's that. There's that. The only real modern show on this is called Inhumans. We've heard about that one. This is the one that um, came and went. I mean, nobody watched this show. This is the one that had Anson Mount as uh, Black Bolt. Didn't last very long. At all. I don't think anybody watched this show. So, mm, good or bad, nobody knows. Now, here we go. This one, this one I will agree with 100,000%. Knight Rider. Now, not the original. This is the reboot from 2008. And... It didn't have the right car. 
because Pontiac was not a thing anymore. You didn't have the Trans Am. They used a Ford Mustang, which, okay, it's a beefed-up supercar. Uh, Val Kilmer doing the voice of Kit, uh, and Michael Brunig playing the new Michael Knight Jr., uh, the son of David Hasselhoff's Michael Knight. So it is technically a sequel, not a reboot, even though it's a reboot, with the with the wink and a nod to uh, to do that. But it was bad. It was a very bad show. And what's funny is that Knight Rider, the reboot of Knight Rider is on this show, but the reboot of Bionic Woman is not. That was that was not a good show either. Uh, NBC doing a reboot, making Jamie Summers a bartender instead of a tennis player teacher. And the whole the whole government agency thing was handled badly. And it was eh. the less said about that show, the better. Although it did give us a bionic Katie Sackhoff. So, there's that anyway. I don't know. Mazur says, Knight Rider was never good. I watched it, but the way I measured it was never good enough for me to want the merchandise. You know, that's a good, that's a good point, because some of these did have the ancillary stuff, the toys, the action figures. Some of them didn't. Uh, and nowadays, you look at stuff like this, like, you know, Star Wars and Doctor Who and Star Trek and, and that sort of thing. And... If the reboot merchandise isn't selling, uh, then that's just as much a measure of success of the thing as box office numbers or Nielsen ratings. Uh, so, yeah, it, it. I don't even know that I really noticed very much merch for the Knight Rider reboot. Um, I think I saw... I think I saw some action figures out in the stores, but, you know, by this time, you know, 2008, I'm already in my 30s, so I'm not looking for action figures really so much because, you know, I've got other other priorities for spending my money. Um, not to say that you shouldn't spend money on, on action figures. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't want to come across as saying, you know, being snobbery on that because I still collect things. Um... I still have things that I collected when I was younger, so there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Stuff My Dad Says, starring William Shatner, is on this list, uh, which is basically... It was basically a show based off of a Twitter feed from Justin Halpern. And I also thought that this was a dumb idea. Uh, but, you know, it's William Shatner. And... And the idea basically is you have the the uncouth, ill-mannered, curmudgeon dad who just rolls out and says whatever he says. I mean, it's essentially William Shatner playing Archie Bunker in a way. Wasn't all that good. It wasn't well received. And this is one of those things where when the title, when the show was was first put into production and they announced that this was going to be the title, officially you say it as Bleep My Dad Says, which is dumb, but you can't say the actual word because it's an expletive. 
And I'm thinking to myself, why would you do that to yourself? It's like this, it's like this shortened URL that, that YouTube generated for our show that's got an F-bomb right there in the, in, in the midst of it. I'm thinking, why in the world? How, how does this kind of thing happen? And this is sort of an indication when shows like this started to show up. And you have these, because now we have shows that have these words in their titles, and I have absolutely no interest in watching any of them for that particular reason. Whatever kind of show they are, if you're going to get crass and crude in your show title, I don't have any interest in the show because that speaks to what kind of show you're wanting to make. And let's just do this to be edgy. Let's push the envelope. Let's, let's be daring. That's not bold and daring. It's not bold and daring to throw the F-bomb in the middle of your show title. It's dumb. But that's just me being an old man. And by the way, have I told you about my lawn today? <sighs> Let's see here. I didn't realize that Phyllis Diller had a show at one point. Um, Baby Bob. This was another one of those. Kind of like cavemen, Baby Bob was, uh, um, where did this start? It was a, it was a, uh, a, an investment, an investment series, series of commercials. Was it E-Trade? Um, I don't remember. But this is the kind of thing. You had the baby who could talk. Uh, and it was, oh, I want to say it was E-Trade, but I don't think that was right. So this concept, and I don't think that this show was the same character. It might have been. I, I, I don't remember. But this showed up on CBS where you have the babies that can talk to each other. And this is, you know, look who's talking. Look who's talking to. Uh, what's the new one? The, the baby boss, boss baby movies that's got... Uh, Alec Baldwin doing the voice of the baby E-Trade. Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you, Stan. And uh, it's, a, it's a cute gimmick for a TV commercial. It's 30 seconds long. But and you want to make an entire series out of it? How do you make that work? And how do you sustain it? Again, you go back to this. It's a, it's a fun bit. It's a fun gimmick in order to sell a product. But standing on its own as a form of entertainment, what kind of stories are you going to tell? Those stories are going to have to rely on the gimmick, and after a certain amount of time, it's going to get really old and played out. And it did. Uh, let's see here. What else are in here? Painkiller Jane. <sighs> this wasn't terrible this was certainly not one of the worst shows that i've ever come across on television this is painkiller jane from the sci-fi channel and this is the tv series not the movies there were a couple of films and then you had the series and the series starred um uh what's her name from terminator 3 but the movies, yeah, uh, Christiana Locken. But the movies had uh, a couple of uh, different. There was a movie from 2015 that starred Emmanuel Vaugé, 
And I think she did a much better job as Painkiller Jane. Certainly, one, she looked more like the character from the comic book. Uh, but then you had, you know, you had a 22, uh, 22 episode series with uh, Christiana Loken, and it was okay. I mean, it was watchable. It wasn't. It wasn't the worst. I mean, she's. For those of you who don't know, Painkiller Jane has uh, a, a, a mutation. Exp, you know, the the result of an experiment or something, and she's not able to feel pain. She's able to be injured, but she doesn't feel it. I guess is the thing, and she becomes a government agent, of course, like you do. Um, it was, it's based on a comic book. I think Jimmy Palmiotti was involved in, in the comic book. And I hear rumblings that there are, there's some kind of a reboot new series in the works. I haven't heard anything lately, but Palmiotti, I think was talking about it over on, uh, on social media at one point that, that there's discussions and there's plans. So... If they manage to do a, uh, a faithful adaptation of the comic book, then it might be worth watching. It might be worth the worth the time. Uh, let's see what else here. That's that's it on that list as far as the genre stuff goes. But there are a few that are not on that list that should be. And I'm sure you all have some on there as well. But for me, one of the worst TV shows that was on TV, if you're, if you're going to be talking about um, television and genre, we have to acknowledge V. And... That's both the original V series and the reboot V series that ABC did here a few years ago. So the original, you had these two uh, miniseries. The first one uh, was written and directed by Kenneth Johnson, who was involved in the second one, V, The Final Battle, except he didn't finish V, the final battle. He had creative differences with the network and left the project, and they brought in other people, and that's where the star child Deus Ex Machina ending came from. And then you had the TV series that was on NBC for a while. NBC, I think. And it only lasted maybe 10 episodes. It was terribly written. And the stories were extremely contrived because you. The end of V, the final battle, the humans won and the aliens were leaving. And so now what do you do with that? It, it, it was they were pure. They were capitalizing on the popularity of the miniseries without having any kind of a plan of where you go next. It's kind of like the end of Back to the Future. Uh, they have, you know, Robert Zemeckis and, and Bob Gale have said on numerous occasions in various different interviews that, that they were never planning to do a second movie. 
And if they had known they were going to do a second film, they never would have put Jennifer in the car at the end. When, you know, where we're going, we don't need roads. That scene. Because you get stuck. Now you have to do something with where you left it. Uh, similar, similar type of situation between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker is stuck with where The Last Jedi left the story, and now you got to pick it up and fix it. So you have to do something to adjust that and then tell your story. V did the same kind of thing because V had an ending. And the series had to figure out what kind of story you can tell even though the story is over. And it was badly done. And the reboot was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. Now, Mazurus mentions Electra Woman and Dinah Girl. Yes and no. I would put that on my list, but not the original. The original is fun, kitschy, Batman 66 type and it was Saturday morning cartoon. It was the Croft Super Show. You know, it, there's a there's a there's a definite tone to that show that's deliberate, and it's for kids and it's Saturday morning fair. And, and you know, that's back in the day when we had all the cartoons on Saturday mornings. You had you know Bugs Bunny Roadrunner, and you had uh, the Croft Super Show, and you had the Hudson Brothers, and all of these different things. Captain Caveman. And, uh, and the Smurfs. But there is a version of Electra Woman and Dinah Girl that is terrible. It is the YouTube reboot of Electra Woman and Dinah Girl that didn't last very long and wasn't good at all and completely messed up the premise of that show. Um, and the re there was there was an attempt at a remake at one point with Marky Post playing Electra Woman as a drunk post Electra Woman Dinah Girl, and that never got off the ground. So we've been down this road before with Electra Woman and Dinah Girl. I know what I you know what we're missing around here in this studio. We're missing we're missing Electra Woman and Dyna Girl merch. Maybe did they make any merch? Maybe I need one of those hand one of those wrist computers that they have. You know? Possibly. Um Mazer says among the Croft Super Shows, Electra Woman and Dyna Girl would be low on my favorite list. I I would put it about in the middle. Um I think for me out of that set because HR Puffin stuff was not in that show. HR Puffin stuff was a was ahead of that. It was it was before that and it was by itself. Um you had Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, you had uh the Bugaloos, you had Wonderbug. I think out of all those, Wonderbug and Dr. Shrinker were my two favorites out of that set. And then, you know, then maybe Sigmund and, and, uh, um, yeah, it was, I still, every, I still remember how, how Wonderbug tra uh, transformed. You had the, you had the, uh, the horn, the magic horn that played the, 
the charge trumpet. And then there's Wonderbug. Far out space nuts. Yes, that was a good one. Lost the lost saucer. Um, which it's funny because uh, when we when we talk about when we talk about uh, Stargate, you know, Mrs. Boston and I are going through Stargate. We're in we're in season five of Atlantis right now. And one of the things that I've mentioned is that I didn't really have a whole lot of fondness for Stargate Universe because it's done. It's been done before. It's it's Star Trek Voyager. It's Lost in Space. It's the Lost Saucer. You know, and I'd mentioned the Lost Saucer, and I get this, I get this confused puppy dog head tilt when I mention certain names. So we're probably going to have to go through at some point and watch. Some of the old Croft stuff. Um, I, Mazer, thanks. I'll, I will look up Rhino Records and see if their uh, see if their um, uh, DVDs out there are still available because that was that was some fun stuff. Far Out Space Nuts was kind of fun. Um, Land of the Lost. Whew. Land of the Lost was not a bad show. Uh, Land of the Lost was a terrible movie. I had absolutely no interest in watching just from the just from the clips that I saw and the trailers. I looked at it and I said, "Yep, I know exactly what's going to happen with this. It's the exact same as the reboot for um, the Dukes of Hazard, the Beverly Hillbillies, uh, Starsky and Hutch. All of those uh, were ended, ended up." being more parody than reboot. And I think Land of the Lost did the same thing. When I saw Will Ferrell playing uh, the dad, and then Wesley and Holly were not brother and sister anymore. Hang on. So, yeah, I had no interest in watching that that movie because I it did exactly what I thought it was going to do. It turned it into a joke. It turned into a, it's When you have a show that is so fondly remembered by so many people and you're definitely capitalizing on that nostalgia but you do it in a way that makes fun of it you're not going to succeed so Mazer says Marshall, Will, and Holly were literally in hell. The final episode, Enoch turned the time back, and they went back and experienced the whole thing all over again. I, you know, I don't remember that. I'll have to go back and look at it. David Gerald was on the story department for that. Uh, the guy who wrote The Trouble with Tribbles, and uh, he's got a Star Trek book called The Galactic Whirlpool. We did an interview with David here uh, several years ago. And... Uh, yeah, Land of the Lost. The original Land of the Lost is much, much better than the than the movie. And didn't they? Do, yeah, they did a TV reboot, didn't they? Yes, they did. Now that I'm thinking about it, they did a they did a reboot of the TV. They did a TV reboot of the TV show before the movie ever came out. They did an attempt at a new Land of the Lost. I never saw that one. I remember seeing about it, uh, but I never saw it. Um, you know what else is not on this list? Mantis, Street Hawk. They weren't terrible, bad shows, but uh, they weren't good. 
was Small Wonder any good about the you know the the family that had the 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 little girl robot? Hmm? Lex. Does anybody remember Lex? I think uh, I think Dustin and and Tim have been talking about. Uh, doing something with Lex. I think Dustin was doing a rewatch or something, and he he had just discovered it, or or he was watching it again, and and uh, it's it's one of those fun, silly. Uh, you it's it's so bad it's good type of things. Uh, Lex always seemed to me to have kind of a vibe similar to Farscape in in terms of the style. Uh, the 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 stories that they told were completely different, of course, but it's that it's that same time period uh, where a lot of these shows had similar aesthetics, uh, and and the the production design and the sets and the way they're lit and the way they're shot, all of them seem to be of a piece, even though they're not connected in any way. They all feel like they're they're definitely a product of their time, and it shows. And some of them have aged better than others. Um, what about Legends of the Superheroes? Does anybody remember this? Maybe? I mean, those of us who are of an age will remember this. Because it was, essentially, a live-action Super Friends and it's the first live-action appearance of Black Canary and Huntress on television. Adam West and Burt Ward back as Batman and Robin. You had Hawkman. You had uh, uh, Captain Marvel, Shazam. You had Green Lantern. Only he wasn't Green Lantern. He was wearing blue for whatever reason. I think they couldn't get the rights to Green Lantern. It only lasted two episodes... And it was very, very, very tongue-in-cheek. And it was very, 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 very bad. Um, I, I, to this day, remember a scene where Robin was talking to Captain Marvel. And he was trying to get, he was trying to get advice from Captain Marvel on how he was going to tell Batman that he wrecked the Batmobile. That's my, that's my takeaway from that show from oh so long ago. It was not good. Well, Robin, uh, Mazur says, looking at a picture, Robin isn't wearing pants. Robin, Robin never wore pants. He always, it was always the shorts. Um, uh, he never, he never had pants. So, uh, another one, gotta mention it. It wasn't a TV series, but we gotta mention it. Because it, it aired on TV. The Star Wars Holiday Special. Cult classic, Yes. A favorite among many? Yes. Was it bad? Yes. But filtered through nostalgia and the removal of time, it's so bad it's good now. Um, I'm not sure that I could sit and watch it all in one sitting 
But one of these days, maybe I might. I don't know. Uh, Sci-Fi Snob asks, is Carrie Fisher high during that? I don't know. I've heard, I've heard some stories. I think that sounds that sounds familiar that she might have been, at least for part of it. But I can't say for sure one way or the other. I don't know. I would have to look that up. Um, certainly, you would think that whoever wrote it might have been indulging a little bit on some stuff, maybe. I don't know. There are a lot of shows out there that are bad, that are fun to watch. There are um, there are some that are really good that people don't like to watch. Uh, so what would you put on a list of the worst television shows ever? Leave us a comment. Send us a... Uh, an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. Um, Robert says, yes, Carrie Fisher was high. She mentioned it in one of her in, in wishful drinking her one, her one woman show. So, uh, so there's a little confirmation there. Um, but yeah, let us know. Yeah. Uh, this show, yeah, this show, it qualifies just as much as any other show as the worst ever. Um, so, so there is that. Now, Sci-Fi Snob, we, if, if my show qualifies, if my channel qualifies, then yours does too. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us today. On Monday, we'll be talking about the GameStop thing. Saturday, don't forget, we have new... Uh, Good Morning Multiverse, all the week's news headlines, science fiction, fantasy, and horror, and an interview with Mike Phillips about his uh, upcoming crowdfunded comic book. And then on Monday, we will be back here for more shows. And then, of course, the H2O podcast Monday night. Uh, one point sometime this weekend, we'll probably figure out what we're going to talk about. Uh, in the meantime, there are other videos here, other programs that you can sample if you're new to the channel. And we do invite you to subscribe and have your notifications turned on, of course. Uh, sign up for our newsletter. You can find us on all the social media. And we will be back on Monday talking about the GameStop thing. In the meantime, remember, there are four lights. Have a good weekend. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.